Christian, thanks for doing this with me. I just, I just for no, just no reason in particular, I just thought it would be fun to catch up with you. I don't think there's really anything going on with with the Pelicans or any or, or with either of these teams as of right now. Yeah, there, you know, there's definitely not noise out there that the Pelicans, <laughs> you know, could trade one of the most hyped guys. I guess going, you know, coming into the NBA of like the last 25 years. You know, supernova talent who just cannot seem to stay in the court. There's there's none of that swirling around. No. Uh, where where does this season rank for you? Like it it's always it's always been something with the Pelicans. Whether it's were you on the beat when the Anthony Davis stuff was happening, or so that was that was before my time. I started this job in 2019. The outlet I worked for, Noel.com and the Times Picayune created my position after the team got Zion. Um, from my understanding, they weren't even going to have a full-time Pelicans beat writer. And after the team got Zion, they were like, okay, we got to have somebody on this because this guy is, you know, a really big deal. So I, I came here to be, you know, like a big part of my job was like, Hey, look, you're going to report on the happenings of Zion. And I'm not the only one either. Like you, you and know, Andrew ESPN, Lopez, yeah. yeah, ESPN created position, you know, the athletic has, you know, really good beat guy here too. So there's there's kind of three of us covering this team, waiting for Zion to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know there's all those there's always other stuff like they hired David Griffin around that time. They had five. How, how many coaches have you had now? Willie Green is uh, my third one. There was three in my first four years on the beat. Alvin Gentry, uh, him and Griff, you know, started butting heads within months of working for each other. Everyone knew they were going to let go of Alvin Stan Van Gundy's ill-fated eight month stint in charge. And then Willie green for the past two years. So I guess we'll start here. How badly do they really want scoop? Because you like you and I, I mean, you and I talk all the time, but like we had kind of both heard, I had heard a few weeks ago that like new Orleans was one of the teams that was interested in moving up for scoot. But, you know, you hear stuff all the time. You don't know whether, like, oh, you know, Portland is putting this out there or Charlotte is putting this out there to be like, hey, look, this team is interested in moving up for this pick in the same way that, like, when a player opts out of their contract, their agent is going to put out through one of the newsbreakers. Like, sources say, like, these seven teams are interested in this in this player, and maybe not all of them are actually interested in the player. So you kind of hear that, you know, all these different teams are interested in moving up to draft Scoot, and so they might be interested in the second pick or the third pick, but you don't know how much of it is real. But then, you know, yet a couple days ago when the Shams report came out, usually when Woj or Shams puts something like that out, it is real. So how how bad, how desperate are the Pelicans to get Scoot? So I heard towards the end of May, which is more than two weeks ago, hey, there are some people, high-ranking people in the Pelican organization who love Scoot Henderson as a prospect. I mean, I got some strong indications that they absolutely love this kid. Huge believers in his talent as a lead guard, but also mentality. And I think that's part of the reason why he is attractive for the Pelicans. They have, you know, one amazing talent in Zion Williamson, one very good talent in, in Brandon Ingram. But I think the questions are about those guys' mentality. I mean, Zion, the diet, the conditioning, the rehab three times in four years, it's taken him much longer to recover from an injury than it probably should have. And then Brandon Ingram, I think, you know, pretty focused on basketball, but 
he just doesn't play that much. And I think there have been some questions within the organization of, does he always fight through minor discomfort? So I, I think, you know, they've got a surplus of first round picks seven in the next five years, still someone's coming in from the Lakers and bucks got some interesting young players. And then, you know, you got those two all-stars if you really want to make it interesting. Um, so they got a lot of different ways you could try to get something done. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some huge fans of, of scoot in the front office. Well, I can tell you this from Portland's end. I don't think a package of like a bunch of these future picks or some young players like Herb Jones or Trey Murphy or something like that. I don't think that's something that they would be interested in doing. My understanding is they're only trading the third pick if they get back a guy. And there's a very short list of guys that they, I think, would have qualified. You know, we t- we've talked incessantly on here about, like, Mikael Bridges as somebody that they've looked at pretty strongly. You know, we've talked, if Boston decides not to pay Jalen Brown. Like, th- that's the level of guy that I think they're looking at. And I think one of those two guys that you just mentioned, Zion and Brandon Ingram, I think one would be a little bit more interesting to them than the other. Yeah, I mean... I mean, they want a guy who can help them win immediately, right? I mean, yes, that's the, many... I mean, that's the idea. Dame has made it clear he does not want to leave, but he also wants a chance to compete. And I think, you know, I, this is just so. So the way, just just to kind of give you a little bit of you know perspective on you know what where I think the front office for the Blazers is coming from. And I haven't I haven't checked specifically on this New Orleans stuff since the report came out. So this is not me saying what anybody in the organization has told me because I haven't, like, in the last two days, I haven't, like, gotten from, you know, the organization, oh, we're interested in Zion, but not... Like, this is not... I have not gotten this from anybody, but I just... Knowing what I know, and this is actually going back to something that affects the Pelicans also, or that did affect the Pelicans when it happened, but just to kind of illustrate the way that this front office operates and the kind of moves that they make and don't make... um. Last year at the draft, when they had the number seven overall pick, the two guys that they were like deciding between, that they was basically down to the final two guys that were available at that pick that they were thinking about, one of them was Shaden Sharp, who they ended up taking. The other one was Dyson Daniels, who New Orleans took one pick later at number eight. And the argument for Dyson Daniels was he's plug and play. You can put him in right away, and he'll be a rotation player, and he's ready to contribute right away. The argument for Shaden Sharp was he's going to take a little bit longer to be ready, but if he hits, he can be an all-star. And they went for the upside. So I feel like for a big move like this, you know, you're talking about either keeping the number three pick, which has, you know, potentially a generational prospect and Scoot Henderson being available, or you're trading that pick. And if you're trading that pick, you better get something big back. I think... Like, you know, Brandon Ingram is a good player, but I don't think Brandon Ingram is changing your world. Brandon Ingram isn't making you a title contender. Whereas Zion Williamson, like, it's a massive risk with the injury stuff and the health stuff and the weight stuff and whatever else. But if somehow he can stay healthy, every time he's been healthy, he's been basically a top five player in the league. And, you know, him and Dame together could be pretty dangerous. And I think... Just knowing what I know about the front office's philosophy, I think that swing is more something they would be interested in taking than, you know, more of a safe, you know, route in Brandon Ingram, if you will. If the NBA season had ended on January 2nd, 
I think there's a chance that Zion finishes top five in MVP MVP voting. I mean, uh-huh. the Pelicans were, I believe, second or third in the Western Conference at this time. And in their first game of 2023, Zion goes down with the hamstring injury. I mean, I just, I cannot stress enough how freaking good he was in the month of December. Like, the Pelicans don't have a, an illustrious franchise history or anything, but I would say the month of December was like one of the best overall months they've ever had as a franchise. And it was Zion, you know, doing it on both ends, like kind of like controlling the offense and, and defensively like wreaking havoc in a way that we hadn't seen at Duke. If I was another team, I would, I would bet on like the Zion risk. Like I would be trying hard to get Zion just because it's just been a weird fit for him in New Orleans I mean, I, I don't know that he was ready to leave college and be a pro. He said that a couple of times, like he's, he's, you know, he's not one of these guys like, uh, you know, like Tatum came in at 19 years old and it was like, okay, I've got a pro mentality. Like Zion did not come in with that. He kind of came in with more of a kid's mentality and that's okay because he was a kid. You know, I think he's got a lot of great qualities. Like I think he's got great in-game competitiveness. Um, I mean, like, He's just so freaking talented. I, I like a lot of things about him, but it just has not worked out in New Orleans. There's been a lot of tension with the medical staff. The Pelicans just moved on this summer from the guy who was in charge of their medical staff. Um, but if I was another team, I would I would be comfortable taking a chance on Zion because he is just that good. And if he gives you 65-plus games or whatever, if he has the Joel Embiid career trajectory of, well, he didn't play that much in the first four years, but he's given me 60 games every year. Like, yeah, you're making the playoffs every year, and he really does give you a chance to go deep in the playoffs and and go to the finals. Where is he at right now, health-wise? If, he, if the season, he had the hamstring injury that you mentioned. He didn't play after that. If if this if training camp start from what you know, and obviously you're not around him every day, talking to him every day anymore because it's not in the season. But from what you know and from people that you've talked to, if this if training camp started today, would he be able to do everything and be a full go? So I saw actually saw him on Friday, and it's kind of funny the reason why. Uh, Zion had a very interesting week last week. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. Google the New York Post articles if you want to read about it. Um, but on Friday, uh, you know, him and his people said. Hey, look, we're gonna hold this event at a middle school in Jefferson Parish. Uh, parishes are, you know, counties here. Um, and Zion gave away, you know, a quarter of a million dollars to a school district here. And he took photos with like eighty middle school kids. Um, and he looked really good. He looked like pretty, you know, he looked pretty skinny. Everything I've heard is he's completely recovered from the hamstring thing. Um, I think he thinks he could have played at the end of the season and the Pelicans, you know, from my understanding, weren't going to let him play just because um, I don't think there was like great diligence from him in the rehab process, um, which has kind of been a theme from, from Zion in new Orleans. He's constantly wanting to play and said, and the Pelicans are saying, yeah, but, but you're not ready. Like you're not in the shape we want you to be in. You like didn't really work hard during the rehab process. Um, but I, I mean, I think he could go if, if they had to play a game tomorrow. That's another thing I wanted to bring up here because you say it's been a theme with him that he hasn't really worked that hard in the rehab process. Uh, I, I just, that, that would be, I mean, 
the biggest thing is physically, you know, the health stuff. Like, is his body, you know, can it hold up? But I would, you know, if I were a team thinking about trading for him, that's honestly, that's something I would be concerned about also. You know, the talent is what the talent is, and he's one of the most talented players the league has seen probably in the last decade. But what what is it? Do you think it's just, is it a maturity thing? Does he just, like, not really, you know, want to work that hard in the rehab stuff? Like, do you think that's the kind of thing that would change with a change of scenery? Like, what like what do you think is behind? You know the guy better than I do. What do you think is behind that? I think a lot of it is it's just been so easy for him at every different stage. I mean, he obviously, you know, he went to a tiny private school in South Carolina where he was not playing against elite competition and dominated there, but he goes from there to Duke. And you have to remember, he was not looked at as even the number one guy in that Duke team going into the season. RJ Barrett was, I mean, clearly the best player in the Duke team, clearly the best player in college basketball had literally one of the best college basketball seasons of all time. Um, and he comes in the NBA and he's immediately out of shape. Like his first summer league, he's out of shape. Um, but he's just so good that it doesn't matter. Like he's, he's played a lot of these games out of shape and like not doing the right things in terms of like sleeping, dieting, game day prep, and he's still killing people. So I think it's like, uh, a gift and a curse that the game is just so easy for him and he's so physically gifted. Like, I just think, I think failing a couple times is actually going to be good for him and make him, you know, maybe learn some lessons. And then the other thing is, I would say too, is uh, a couple of people, Pelicans people have voiced this to me repeatedly. He just, he has not been able to get great people around him. I mean, that's a huge concern of just like his inner circle. I mean, does he have anyone? who's willing to tell him the truth. This kind of gets into some thorny stuff. Um, but he has not had great people around him. The Pelicans have tried to put, you know, some good vets around him, CJ McCollum, one of them. But he just, it seemed like he just hasn't really listened. Um, and so I think that's got to change. You know, I think wherever he goes next, like that team is going to be able to say, hey, man, whatever you were doing in the first four years, you know, assuming he goes somewhere else, and I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but they're going to be able to say, like, whatever you're doing in the first four years was not working. Like your, your stepfather is like not going to have a huge voice here because like it just has gone so poorly. Like it's going to be us making the decision and you making the decision. And you know, like we'll, we'll loop in your CAA agent. Who's a very good agent. Oh, I don't think they listen to very much, but like, yeah, it's not going to be your stepfather having a huge voice here. 